Welcome to How Did This Get Played, the podcast where we review the worst and weirdest and wigerest video games of all time. This is our 93rd time we've covered the game Death Stranding from 2019. Uh, we have no guests anymore. It's just us. It's all we're all that's left. I'm Nick Weiger Jr. I miss my old man. <laughs> it's me, Matt Apataka. Hello, everyone. <coughs> I, I we, don't understand why old Matt Apataka sounds like Bill Clinton, but he does. <laughs> it's just a thing that's happened as he's aged. I don't know who Bill Clinton is. I'm... <laughs> I was born after his presidency. What? Wait, why is the son of Nick Weiger so old? That's, how, that's old. how long we've been I, doing that's it. That's how long it's been. And I think what happened, if you remember this, Heather, when... When... when Nick was diagnosed with that rare disease that it, he has old cum, and so his babies come out old. <laughs> So he's actually he's twenty four, but he's he's twenty four, but I'm old. <laughs> if you're joining us for the first time, we've uh, this is the nine thousandth episode of a show that we somehow cannot leave, <laughs> and we we're you know, we've had some complaints over the last few years that we have to stop. Recording episodes about Death Stranding, but we're only now getting to some of the subsystems that are present in the game. Let's really dig into the waypoints on the map. <laughs> we haven't talked about that in depth, but it's a pretty robust waypoint system. You can set your own waypoint. You can also create your own path to a, to a, to a waypoint that you've set on the map. My dad was killed in the alien war. <laughs> he was Nick fighting as seen, he was a on hero. the aliens. <laughs> he was a hero for the aliens. <laughs> he was a hero for the, a spy who led the aliens into the cities. <laughs> they said they could fix his cum for him. <laughs> I want to give a quick read for our advertiser. Uh, quantum cube. You know we all need quantum cubes these days. Well, you can get yours at the quantum cube outlet. Use promo code Blade for that cube that manipulates time and space that we all need to have with us at all times in our current reality. Put your cube directly into your urethra. Well, it's it's time to start the show. <laughs> I miss my dad. <laughs> we catapult cargo and do gratuitous but sick tricks off of ramps as we revisit Death Stranding again with Death Stranding Director's Cut as Kojember continues this week on How Did This Get Played?
it's How Did This Get Played, the show where we discuss the worst and weirdest and Worcester sauciest video games of all time. <laughs> that third W is by at sister underscore creep, who, who tells me, uh, as a native of Worcester, England, I'd be happy to help you with pronunciation. I hope I got it close enough uh, for your purposes. Submit yours at Get Played Pod, hashtag www. I'm Nick Weiger, but I'm not that Weiger. Along with my co-host. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I mean, that's that's great. Nick, that was great. I'm uh, I'm Heather Ann Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> OK, and and I'm Matt podcast producer host. I'm Sam, everyone. <laughs> great. Well, very good. Uh, hi, I'm Sam, everyone, and welcome back, Bucket. I didn't quite, I didn't get it at first. Duck, I was like, I don't know what, what's happening. My name is what I, uh, what I do. Your name is what you do. Yes. Gotcha. 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 But okay. But you Great. would be, you would just be podcast producer in the game. Like yeah. that would be your name. Like you would, the Matt part would be gone. That's yeah. You're right. <sighs> Fuck. No, you're fine. <laughs> no. And they'd be delivering you fourteen no. metric tons of Pokemon cards. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm back in. <laughs> uh, we're saying all this because we continue Hideo Kojima, a month-long deep dive into the games of Hideo Kojima. But before we descend into this particular gaming hell, before we exit our safe houses and risk exposure to Timefall, it is first time to briefly touch on a game we're currently enjoying by spending 70 seconds in gaming heaven. And Matt, I have something to talk about. Tell me when to begin. Go for it. I played through this cute little... Uh, soothing, I'll say, in 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 the presence of our guest, uh, <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a second. A game called Unpacking, uh, which is uh, an indie game, it's on Game Pass right now, is developed by Witchbeam, and uh, just has this charming pixel art and uh, this this really just tranquil score by the the sound designer and composer is Jeff Van Dick. And let's let's play a little bit of this score while I talk through it, Matt. So here's what the experience of the game is. You're looking at an isometric perspective and you're in like an apartment or some other residence and you just got a bunch of moving boxes and you just take items out one by one and you put them where they should go. So hey, there's a spatula, that goes in a drawer in a kitchen. You got a DVD case, that goes on a shelf in the entertainment center and so on. And this music, this kind of music or, or, or a similar track is playing and you're just doing this in like eight different residences and you're learning more and more about this character. It's the same character on this Odyssey over uh, this course of... Up. All right. Anyway, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great little experience and it's like, uh, it's just about four hours of gameplay. So I thought it was a lot of fun. I have a question so if for you're, you. Yeah. If you found like, like some towels or something, like some bath towels, where would you put that? Uh, outside. Outside? No, I, I you actually get punished for putting things in the wrong place. Not punished, but you can get like you're not supposed to put things in the wrong places. Okay. So like a bath towel, yeah, you got to put on a towel rack or you got to put on a shelf in the bathroom okay. or the laundry room if you're yeah. in a residence with a laundry room. Hey, you could be so lucky. If you could be so lucky, you're coming up in the world. But yeah, it's got like it's 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 cute, it's charming, and it's and it's fun, and it is very it's it's just like a you put you in a very sort of tranquil zen state, and I think that's the intention of the developers. So I think it it achieves its aims. I have it downloaded on Game Pass, uh, and I can't. I can't wait to play it. It looks like a lot. It looks like a nice little relaxing time. Did you do that while I was talking? What do you mean? Oh yeah. Like, did you yeah. open up Game yeah, Pass? Yeah, I was like, oh, Nick's looking. talking. Let me just get, get this real quick. Just, uh, <laughs> shut the, you know, sh shut up. Nick, I want to say 
Yeah. I don't think you've ever gone that hard during 70 seconds in gaming heaven. That was, it felt both atmospheric, but also Mm. pre-transcribed. Like you, the words were just flowing out of you. You set a Mm. real mood and a real tone for this podcast episode that I don't think we're going to be able to live up to. And I just, (laughs) I want, I want, if you're a new listener out there and you're, you're checking us out for the first time, we will never be that good again. Yeah, that was that was smooth. If this is your first episode, the third episode of Death Stranding uh, that we are doing, um, <laughs> that's that's my <laughs> jumping in point. Yeah. Death Stranding three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it is true, Nick. You it, it it must it must feel nice to talk about something that you really really like for once. Well, hey, we're gonna do it. Yeah. I Even guess we're going to do it again, huh? We're going <laughs> to keep doing it. We're going to keep this ball rolling, and we've got a wonderful guest to do it with. And thank you for saying nice things. Um, and uh, <laughs> and our guest I'm very excited to have on the podcast, a musician and writer for the podcast Strong Songs and Triple Click, which I listen to every week. Kirk Hamilton is here. Hi, Kirk. Hey, hello. Hello to all three of you. It's really nice to be here. Hi, Kirk. Hi, Kirk. Hi. Hey, hello. Kirk, <laughs> thank, thanks for making time for us. Um and you are sitting in an environment where, you know, you have a bunch of guitars behind you. Uh, you are a musician. Uh, I'm curious because, like, uh, I, and I, I I think this is a pretty universal experience for anyone who plays games with regularity, but, like, music and sound design has such an impact on my enjoyment of a game. Like, do you feel like that affects you differently? Does that affect your perception of a game particularly because that is your background? Um, I mean, sure. I noticed the music, right? I used mm-hmm. to, when I wrote about video games, I would always write about the music and the music right. is a really important part of any video game. I actually think of a lot of video games as music sometimes mm. because they're actually very similar in a lot of ways or they occupy a similar part of my brain. Like I'll find, especially recently, you know, I've been practicing a lot of guitar cause I'm not actually very good at guitar despite the guitar on my wall. I'm a saxophonist first and foremost. That's like what I went to school for and I can play mm-hmm. saxophone. Guitar is a weird math equation of an instrument and I've been doing a lot of practicing and, um, that, you know, requires this sort of headspace with the metronome and the repetition and you kind of get better and better. And I'll find that, you know, if I'm playing a really tough game, I had this thought on playing the uh, PS4 God of War. I was trying to beat mm. the Valkyrie Queen, which is the toughest Valkyrie boss in that game. It's a really hard boss fight. And I was like repeating it over and over and over again. And I found that I didn't have any mental bandwidth to practice music while I was wow. doing that because the processes were so similar in my brain. So I think a lot about that. I think a lot about the similarities um, between actually playing games and playing music almost more than I think about the sound. Though, of course, I'm like paying attention to the sound, but a lot of times it's that they actually, the two acts feel very similar to me. It, it's brain-body connection, right? Yeah. I feel like my my battle against the Valkyrie Queen and how difficult that was <laughs> uh, when I played God of War has prevented me from learning to play music for my entire life. <laughs> so I do, <laughs> I do feel, yeah, I mean, like, I, to- I, mean, I totally get that. Like, it was a hard fight and, you know. It's true. The thing yeah. about learning guitar is also when you begin practicing guitar, it grabs you and it slams your face into the ground every single time <laughs> that you're about to learn how to play guitar, which is pretty tough for your morale. You're like, I just want to learn some <laughs> Pentatonic scales, and you're just every time just just grinding at me. Uh, it, it's interesting. Like like that's an interesting comparison because I did used to play music. I actually did play uh, play saxophone, but I, oh, I stopped nice. in high All school. Right. But like oh, I was a woodwind saxophonist. guy. Mm-hmm. I well, yeah, I was a I was a saxophonist. 
Thank you. Great instrument. Um, mm-hmm. I I played, but I played woodwinds through you know through the end of high school, and I was like. It is a similar sort of brain-body connection. I remember at one point I took up the bassoon, and oh, the bassoon was like the most similar I found to a console controller a because all the action is all thumbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most most woodwinds, you're mostly using your fingers, but like here it's like, you know, like, yeah, there's like 13 thumb keys. So that's where the where your dexterity is focused. Bassoon is the um, greatest instrument. Shout out to any bassoon players who are listening. I don't play, but I love the bassoon. It's such a good wow. instrument. In Peter and the Wolf, which one is the bassoon? That's is it the, the it's duck? The main, I think it's the main motif. It's the oh, I might be wrong about that. That might be an English word. It's the grandpa. Actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, duck it's is the oboe. grandpa, right. Right. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. right. Matt? Um, yeah. Say something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's just talk about woodwinds for another hour. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I played I played the trumpet in, um, in high school. All right, a brass uh, player. Yeah, and um, I I wish I had stuck with it and got good. I saw somebody playing trumpet recently and was like, God damn it, I could have been doing that. I could have yeah. been blowing on that bad boy up there. It sucks. Mm. You wanna hear a trump do you wanna hear a, pl- a trumpet player joke? Well, yeah, yeah. How many trumpet players does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? Two. One to screw in the light bulb and one to stand next to him and say he could have done it better. <laughs> hey, I love it. That's pretty good. I like that. I played piano players. for for 11 years. Oh, nice. Uh, but I never, ever, ever got good at it. Hmm. And to this day, can barely read music. I mean, I could read it, but like it would be like one chord. And then I stare mm-hmm. at the notes for a long time. And then I put my pinky in a place and then my... Okay, that's this next chord. Like I never, it never clicked for me ever, and I, and I did it every week for eleven years. Wow! Did you ever just sit at the piano and play for fun, like by ear, and just figure stuff how, out? How the fuck would I do that? Like it's mm. it's the the it's a it feels like a mouse trap. Mm. Like I I, mm-hmm. I and I, when I say that it. It's not like it's not like my my parents were mad at me and like would smash my fingers in the <laughs> that's good in the key cover yeah. <laughs> like like I was Tom and Jerry but the I just it never ever ever like no music theory couldn't play something off of the radio like I'm I'm garbage for hmm. music I think about that sometimes, like how there's the right instrument. I think that there's kind of a right instrument for everybody, and it's not oh. always piano, even though everybody or a lot of people start on piano. And piano is such a sort of master musical instrument because you can see all of harmony in front of you. Like, I wish I were better at piano, but I'm mm. not sure that if I learned piano first instead of saxophone, if I would have fallen in love with music and then gone on to, like, study it and, and do it right. for a oh, career. So- so I'm a violinist then. That's it could what be. Happened. It could be. Okay, You're great. a born violinist. You never okay, know. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, no, I'll say that. I'll say that at the airport. There you go. <laughs> I'm a violinist. And they'll be like, you don't have a violin. And I'll be like, oh, no, where to go? <laughs> that was funny to me. <laughs> I liked it. Creating a little bit of uh, like low stakes drama for <laughs> for yourself at the airport. <laughs> Everybody loves a little stress right before they get on a plane. Yeah, they love that. <laughs> do, you, do you, Kirk, do you like, a, do you mess with a rhythm game? I do. I really liked um, rock band back in the day. That was sort of the the music mm-hmm. band instrument that I or like or sort of music game that I got into. I kind of feel like maybe there will be 
a resurgence of rock band. This is something we were talking about on Triple Click a couple of weeks ago, like whether nostalgia for plastic instrument games might actually lead to them coming back, despite the fact that nobody wants to buy any plastic instruments again. But I did like that game. I liked Rock Band 2, I think. That was actually, um, I wound up learning drums, actual drums, as a result of playing a lot of drums in Rock Band, just Mm -hmm. because it's actually fairly close. If you're just doing like the rudimentary thing of figuring out how to move your right foot independently of your hands. And then I, you know, went and had a drum set at the school I was teaching at at the time and could practice actual drums. And now I hate playing drums in Rock Band, but it was a great way in (laughs) to like then kind of flip it around to the real thing. And then they got too real with it, like Rock Band 3 with the guitar with all the buttons on it and Right, they, they went a little too far, but uh, I did like those games. I have, um, like my rock band instruments have survived many moves, like mm. over the years, and I've just like I'm taking. They don't like some of the hinges on some of the stuff are more <laughs> loose now, but they still are in working condition. And occasionally, I'll get them out just so I can justify. Well, this has to move with me again at some point. Right, uh, right. I used it one time three years ago. Yeah. I got, I got. <laughs> you know, I me. still have one guitar, and that's because of Rock Band VR. Did any of you play Rock Band VR, which was released for no. the Oculus exclusively? No. I believe but Matt it's and I wooden. just got just got VR headset headsets like recently. So yeah, we're man, just we're okay. just dipping our toes in this water. But so this was I think it can still be played like on PC. So if you have an Oculus, you can like play it. I think it's still Oculus exclusive. And it's one okay. of the wildest VR games. It's a game that I think it was when Oculus was like paying studios to make games for them. So there are these subsidized kind of high budget games that no one played or really talked about. And they paid harmonics to make this game. And it's like just the guitar and it's in VR and it's pretty, you know, nice looking, like polished looking. And you're in this band, you're on stage. And it's not like Rock Band where you have to follow the little gems and be one to one accurate. Yeah. You just, yeah. Um, it's a lot looser than that because you can't, you're kind of in it and it's all around, you know, the music is all around you. And there's like yeah. the band, your band members are looking at you and stuff. And there's a set list <laughs> on the floor and you can go lean up to the microphone. And if you say stuff, you'll hear your voice amplified Whoa. through the club. And there's people in the audience. And so you start playing like whatever some sort of pared down playlist of licensed songs and it's really really fun just because you're kind of pantomiming playing air guitar with this little plastic guitar you have to clip one of the oculus hand controllers onto the head of the guitar and it uses that to track the guitar in the game so you're like a disembodied guitar but it is moving around like the one in your hand and then you'll get like superstar power or whatever and it's time to do a solo And when it's time to play a solo in this version of Rock Band, it's just do whatever you want. Move your fingers as fast as possible on the keys. And if you're playing the Rock Band guitar, you know there's like the higher frets are also available. So you can like go way up to the finger tapping thing. And it's just do whatever you want. You just like mash your fingers around and this sweet guitar solo just kind of plays at random. And then you work the whammy bar and it like sprays what I can only describe as neon liquid out of your guitar and all over the audience. (laughs) And so you're in the middle of this game, usually, you know, standing alone in your living room or whatever, like making guitar face to no one and no one can hear it like working the whammy bar while your guitar sprays uh, fluid all over the audience and that's the experience of of playing rock band VR wow that description gave me a panic attack (laughs) (laughs) it made me open a tab to search to to buy it (laughs) I think there's well they took all the images off of Kotaku because Uh Kotaku is slowly being destroyed but there was a gif of me playing this game at one point that I put on wow. the internet that it probably exists somewhere and it's it's horrible. <laughs> I, the way you describe that, like the, I, the, the 
the possibility of failing out in front of a crowd as opposed <laughs> right. to just getting like a you you suck yeah. like big game right, over message right. like to see the losing the audience who are staring at you from a stage feels like a like a like the actor's nightmare it feels like uh, wait what am i doing up here i can't do this yeah i don't know these songs i can't play the guitar it's like that's so visceral ver- that's very true it starts like a nightmare though then you just kind of start moving your fingers and the thing comes out and it's in tune so it's it's almost like uh immersion therapy for that fear because it's not actually it's actually <laughs> yeah. pretty difficult to screw up which is which is nice but that is true i it's would yeah weird. i'd be horrified to uh fail in front of an audience playing foo fighters pretender and then start booing me be a nightmare <laughs> a personal nightmare it's true it's true has there been any rhythm game that's ever gotten that sort of uh, freestyle sort of feeling, like solo feeling, right? Like I'm thinking back on like, you know, Prap of the Rapper, it was still, I, you were just kind of saying word salad when it would get into the the cool mode or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and Um Jammer Lamy, I guess, was pretty kind of good, but still you were, it, was a sim- it was similar to what you were describing with with uh, the Guitar Hero VR, you're just kind of noodling around. Wasn't there a randomly. version of like a dance dance revolution style game where you could add freestyle. And as long as you were hitting the actual steps that were being thrown up on the screen, hmm. anything additional you did was bonus. Are you so thinking like about the Yakuza pe- zero dancing mini game? No, that's not what I'm, no, <laughs> okay. that's not, that's what you're thinking similar. of Nick. So I'm thinking uh, constantly. I swear there it's used to be, Nick, (laughs) (laughs) I swear there used to be a game where you could like do a freestyle mode. So it would be Mm -hmm. the graphics on screen, hit the things when they're when they're flying past you. But additionally, if you can like do the splits or like fucking like use your hands at the same time that 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 would get bonus scores. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was wrong. (laughs) It's kind of an incompatibility between the like truth of musical expression and the way that video games work it's always been like you can't actually get at the raw human weirdness of playing music if you're rating it according to some sort of machine you know thing though i mean rock band always gets close for me because you're in a room with other people we had a party once this is you know whatever in 2009 where we were just playing songs. And it was basically like a karaoke party, only, you know, I was kind of playing drums and I'm hitting the thing so loud and we're all really getting into it. And my buddy is singing and he's like an amazing singer. And it was it was like a musical performance because we were all sharing it. And so because right. that energy, you know, he's freestyling on the melody and the drum fills, you can kind of play whatever you want. And there is a little bit of expressiveness there that just comes out because you're in the room with other people. But the minute you're alone with the game, it's really hard to like, actually do some kind of meaningful musical expression in in that scenario it's kind of hard to do anything meaningful in a game ever yeah i think Mm. that's true it's like a profound and deep problem that games are always trying to solve and usually in really interesting ways right though some would argue you're doing something pretty profound in death stranding director's cut that was a good segue (laughs) he's on fire today yeah is the uh let's get the nba jam announcer in here um <laughs> he's on he's fire, fire. <laughs> kirk you were you were i I've, I've listened to your personal odyssey with death stranding over the course of a few different episodes you were at some point playing vanilla death stranding am i correct 
I've played all the Death with the Stranding. Director's Cut. How, okay. There have been Got like it. 16 at this point. I've played them all. I've yes. played the yeah. first five hours of every single version of Death Stranding going back to 2002. Um, yeah, I've played all three. I've played the PS4 one and then the PC one. And now the Director's Cut, which is the one that I've played the most of. I have not finished, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. far. I've probably played like 25 hours or something like that. I'm in the mountains. I met Hartman. Okay. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just building zip lines everywhere. But yeah, I played all three of these going back to uh, the original version. On the off chance that somebody is listening to this podcast and hasn't heard us the other two times we've covered Death Stranding, <laughs> should I do a quick <laughs> intro? Sure. Yes, please. Yeah, I think so. Well, Death Stranding is a 2019 action delivery strand game developed by Kojima Productions. It was initially released in November of 2019, then on Windows in July 2020, and finally on the PlayStation 5 as the director's cut on September 24th, 2021. Uh, Death Stranding is an open world game where you control a man named Sam who is taxed with reconnecting the cities of a post-apocalyptic America, and he does so by delivering goods packages and reconnecting them to a chiral network, which is a bit like uh, an energy grid. Uh, Along the way, you experience um, surreal side encounters with a bunch of half-dead human beings and ghosts (laughs) uh, until finally saving the world from an extinction event, uh, sort of. (laughs) Does that work? Yeah, and, and I don't think we're going to get as as spoiler deep in this particular episode uh, if anyone's wow. you know hasn't played the game yet because we we already did that in, on on part two of the Death Stranding trilogy, the three <laughs> episodes we've dedicated to one three game on this of podcast. Death Stranding, three podcast yeah, there you episodes go. of it. Maybe I should maybe we should bleep that with ghost like BT sounds, and I'll do a different <laughs> version of the intro that is less spoiler heavy. How's that sound, Nick? I think that was spoiler light enough. Yeah, was, was I said he good. saves yeah. the fucking world. What? I mean, well, people, it's a fucking video game. <laughs> people, people know where this arc is yeah, going. I think it's okay. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, it's, it, it's a, it's interesting. It is a, the, the director's cut came out in in uh, in September, and I, I will say this, it, Kirk, did you import your save from your, your PS4, or did you start fresh in Dread? I did not. I started, I started fresh. The reviewer guide that Sony sent me advised that I do that, and I decided that I would also because I had open orders that I think I could have abandoned in my PS4 version, but I didn't really remember how. So I was like, I don't, it won't let me immediately transfer my save, so I'm just going to, I just don't care, because I wasn't that far on PS4 anyway, so I started over. Right. I, was, I was probably glad I did in the end. Probably the right move, but if you're pretty deep into it, as you know, I had a, I had, I had a, a post game save, and you know, mm. with with 80 hours into it, and importing your save from vanilla Death Stranding, a Heather and Madam, I'm sure you, you experienced that. I felt like it was kind of a pain in the ass. It's a yes. little cumbersome. Like you have to have. I was, I played Death Stranding, uh, uh, the original on PS4, and then now I have a PS5. Um, and I don't have Death Stranding, the original, downloaded on the PS5. You have to re-download that and then or, you know, play it off of the disc or whatever and uh, and and boot that up and then export your save from a terminal in Death Stranding vanilla and then re-import it in Death, in Death Stranding Director's Cut. It's just like a, a compl- an extra step that feels like completely unnecessary. But isn't that totally on brand? Like you have to put your save in a box and then you carry it with the right trigger and you have to carry <laughs> the whole thing, this whole right. distance, and then, you know, go into the menu and then load. I mean, it, it seems kind of appropriate to this game. 
and, and you do you do get the like all of your trophies pop again when you load it up in director's cut. You so you are kind of getting the <laughs> same sort of feedback of like, wow, Sam, this stuff's in great shape. Yeah, <laughs> putting the game in. So, so yeah, that is how I had to um, upgrade my save from the pre- previous version of the game, which also I stopped playing before a ton of updates. So when I put in my PS4 disc. There was an enormous update process that happened. Oh, wow. Then I, because uh, I got out of the game, I think, even before photo mode was was launched. Mm. Um, so after that, then I had to, like, I'm in the middle of, I don't, I didn't know where the fuck I was. Like, I didn't know where, I didn't even remember what a terminal was. I'm like, is that a post box? Is that, like, where the mules yeah. Live because it was so <laughs> it, it it nothing in my life has felt more like dropping back into a language class after years <laughs> away because I was I have no idea about what this vocabulary means anymore and I kind of was grateful for the experience of getting my save to a terminal because okay. I, I had to remember how to drive the car I had to remember how to use the map like all of my muscle memories were uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla memories because mm-hmm. there's a similar like scan the uh, scan your surroundings mechanic in that game and all of the buttons are slightly different so I, I was really happy for that for that transfer of the old into the new and also you know given that so much of the game is based on like delivering physical media to like hermits sure. that also <laughs> felt kind of nice I think I think Kirk's right it's thematically on point to force you to deliver your game to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> There's something you were, you were just talking about of, cause I was similarly like as much as I have, as many hours as I put into this game, I was similarly being away from it for a year plus, however long it's been since we, we did the last episode. I was a little d- disoriented getting back into, you know, how to actually play this thing. And, you know, had a, at a moment where it was like, okay, I'm going to sneak up on this guy and had forgotten which button I was going to use to strangle him with the chiral knot. So instead, I just hit him. And I was like, well, shit, I just completely blew my style. Um, Because uh, so like and and it's just like it's the kind of thing of like, I wonder if if what we were talking about with, with earlier with with, you know, brain body connection and, and, and muscle memory. I have to feel like so much of that is like rooted in when you played a game. Right. Because like there's one thing of like playing a game in your late 30s, um, early 40s, as I am now. And being like, I'm learning this for the first time. It doesn't like get in my bones as much in the same way as if you ha- if I, I booted up a Super Nintendo and was playing like Super Mario World. I feel like I just know how to play this game. And I mean, I've done that. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll play that on different platforms and be like, yeah, I know how to play this game. Uh, or is it just because that game's less complex? I think, uh, you know, I was listening to, to you all talk about Metal Gear Solid 3 with Gene Perks. Yes. That was a really interesting conversation. And... Thinking back on my time playing that game, which I've actually never gotten that far in, or learning to play Metal Gear 2 when I first played it as well, I didn't come to Kojima games knowing that there was this guy, Hideo Kojima, that was responsible for them. It was very much like my roommate had a PS2 and I played Metal Gear 2. And I've always had this thought playing these games that they're so different than whatever other games are being Mm. or coming out at the same time. And I you get used to whatever the kind of standard control options are 
of the era. And then one of his games comes out and it just requires you to learn a whole new set of inputs and controls. And you do if you play the game. Like I have playing Death Stranding. I now like am really adept at going through that um, cargo menu, you know, and I know right. how to select multiple things and then move them onto my little carrier and just kind of do that really quickly. But it requires you to learn all of this stuff. It sticks in your brain, but then there's a lot more to relearn. Because I've totally had the experience of, I think I wrote an article about this for Kotaku, about, I think it was Rise of the Tomb Raider, where I just stopped. I think, I'm guessing you've all had this experience. I just stopped playing the game for whatever reason and played something else for a while. And then I came back to it. And it was in the middle of like the final act. And Lara Croft, right when I picked it up, had to do this sort of one of those cinematic sequences where she has to run and jump through a bunch of stuff that's blowing up. And it was the thing where she runs and jumps and I was like, okay, ah, like this is a really intense way to come back <laughs> to this game. And then um, the final thing required me, I think, to throw my grappling hook, which is not a move that I had just unlocked in the game, but I completely forgot that I had unlocked that move. So I just kept dying. And I died like probably 30 times not realizing that I could do this because this one actually really common mechanic had just kind of slipped my mind. That happens a lot, but that game generally has like really easy to remember controls. You could pick that up or be playing Uncharted or be playing whatever else. Like they're all kind of the same where Death Stranding is like every single thing you do in the game is is distinct. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 dense. Like, I think that the difference is, is that Mario or Street Fighter, well, Street Fighter to some, to a lesser degree, but like Mario is like move, jump, use item, right? Whereas with Death Stranding, there's a, a, a a moment in the film Ghost in the Shell where a, a cyborg, in order to type, their hands extend several times and they get tons of fingers and they can put a (laughs) finger on every key on their keyboard and then they just type in place. That's what it feels like to hold the controller for Death Stranding. (laughs) It feels like every aspect, including the like rocking your kid mechanic, which the the first thing I fucking did when I rebooted this, uh, it was fall off a cliff. Of course. And then like, (laughs) and then (laughs) BB's just sobbing and I'm like, I have no idea. No, I, I know I hold it shaking the controller, but you have to like look at BB first. And I couldn't. So, so the, the half dead kid is just draining life and crying <laughs> and wouldn't stop. Like I was like, oh, there's got to be a way that it auto stops. No, you have to soothe the baby. Um, so it was really stressful. Same like and that's yeah. such a basic mechanic. Like you learn how to like soothe BB on like mission three. Um, but to just suddenly appear in the world of Death Strand. So, and that also tells me a lot about how it would be to actually be in that game would be that I would mm. die instantly. Like <laughs> yeah. I would fall over. That's probably true of most games, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I wonder if, my bunker. Um, do you, do you all think that the complexity of Kojima's games is related to the fact that they have this extremely long horizon over which people still play them and still talk about them like that they have this long lasting legacy because on the one hand you have a game like mario which is still just as great now as it was when it came out because it's so simple but then you know you can play like metal gear 3 is such a weird game i never really got the controls but once you get them it's its own thing and it still is pretty playable now even though it came out so long ago and i think that'll probably be true of this game as well like, is there something to that? The fact that these games are so complicated that actually makes them uh, stand the test of time better. 
I have to think so. I mean, it's just it's it feels like what you get with Kojima with pretty much all the games we've experienced is more is more. He just keeps piling (laughs) on ideas and systems and they all just kind of interwork with each other. And, you know, it's. It's a, it's a, yeah, people find it, figure out different ways to exploit these or to have them engage with each other or just to approach encounters in, in novel ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think just like the, I, I also think just the endless amount of Easter eggs, which are jammed into these games, I think is a big part of their long tail as well. Mm-hmm. I think, I think uh, to what you just said, his games don't use existing control schemes. And right. there is sort of like um, an accepted, vocabulary of input that like resident evil then becomes the silent hill input which then Mm -hmm. becomes like dino crisis are all like tank controls right and once we evolve past tank controls and have like a free moving camera in these in these games those games become antiquated and sort of locked behind an experience barricade whereas kojima games you're, you are so fucking weird that they can't they can't age the same way because they're like emo. It's like it's some kind of weird experimental noise album. Yeah, it's not like oh this is gonna sound like a dated pop song in twenty years. Instead, it's like fuck what a bunch of weird garbage you have to do in this game. Like I didn't mm-hmm. remember how to drink from my canteen. And oh, yeah, no, that's not there's no universal video game button for drink from your canteen. It's no. not like, oh, we're just going to do the same thing you do in Mario Odyssey <laughs> when he needs to drink from his canteen. Mm-hmm. Right. I mm. thought I had a gun equipped at one point, but then I started pissing and I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> You had a gun equipped. And yeah, it, I had a gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did this get played? Uh, Speaking of the canteen, a a, a big change, no more monster energy in this game. Monster energy, I guess, is a licensing agreement expired or something, but now that's gone. Also in the PlayStation 4 version, monster energy is gone. It's been passed out. This, yeah, is, oh, wow. this is like Peter Dinklage being removed from Destiny, where you, you really <laughs> just can no longer even go buy the weird, you know, VHS version of a film that's been totally changed in the DVD version. Like, you can't even right. get it anymore, like, this, just because, I guess if you had Death Stranding on PS4 on disc, and you didn't update it off of well, the yeah. internet. So it is possible to get your Monster Energy drink. Um, I had it on disc, but yeah, I downloaded all the patches so that I could mm-hmm. upgrade my, or ship my save to myself. And there on the on the table was like these white cans of Bridges Monster Energy or Bridges Energy Drink. Yes. So is this a good thing or a bad thing? What do you think? I I, it bummed me out. Um, (laughs) I like the Monster Energy Drink. Yeah, I thought that was just like it's a weird a a weird detail and also just another fourth wally breaking thing that you know that seems to be a constant running thing and a running gag in his games. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if the ads for that AMC show had have also been stripped. Oh, yeah. That would sometimes like he would. Yeah, I didn't take a crap in my mo- most recent playthrough, so I didn't see if the <laughs> oh, no, right. Norman Reedus I, ad reappears. That's right. <laughs> that seems likely. Yeah. I think about sometimes, you know how there's this trend of young people on Instagram or wherever pretending to be sponsored 
because yes, because you know it's cool if you're sponsored. It means you have a certain amount of reach. It's a pretty understandable thing to be like, yeah. oh, this is we, an ad. And then a lot of times the product spokespeople are like, well, I mean, okay, like you can, you can <laughs> do free ads for us for your for your hundred followers. Um, I sometimes get the feeling from Kojima that he is behaving sort of similarly in this game. Like the way that the music <laughs> tracks come up with the name of the artist and the courtesy Tonequake Records, mm-hmm. which is actually really cool for the band. It's this Icelandic band. They're they're called Low Roar. Mm-hmm. And yes. they were apparently kind of struggling before this game came out. And then the oh, game was wow. this huge boost to their that. to their um profile and all these people discover the music, which is it's really nice music. It's good stuff. But the fact that this music video style, you know, Ooh, like this is our licensed music. This band you don't know, but they're cool. Check them out. Like it has the same feeling as the Monster Energy Drink and the branded stuff of like, look at my sponsorships. Look at how right. cool this game kind of is. And I guess I do find that charming, even though I'm not sure if I miss it playing it. You know, I don't know if I yeah, miss the Monster sense. Energy Drink playing it now. Uh, on that note, we should we should come clean real quick. Um, those Helix Sleep ads we've been running on the podcast. Uh, that was just me trying to. So, <laughs> yeah, promo code look. played is not going to get you twenty percent off your deal. I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> there's two things that that uh, brings to mind for me. One is uh, that the pillows were sort of an unknown band in the West. And then FLCL, the anime came out and suddenly Mm -hmm. they exploded and were able to do concerts in Los Angeles, which is funny. The other thing it reminds me of is that there was a frontline documentary uh, that was done in 1999 or 2000 called The Merchants of Cool. And it was about um, how Gen X teenagers were being profiled by MTV about what is cool and what is not cool. And when they were profiled, they said selling out was the number one most uncool thing you could do. Mm. And the documentary then sort of sought out uh, bands and identities that had not been sort of co-opted by a corporate front-facing identity. Mm-hmm. And the number one <laughs> the number one band that was still indie all the way to its core was Insane Clown Posse. Like that was yeah. like the <laughs> the band that was like we don't give a shit about uh, about corporate stuff. We don't have any brand. The there's like a soda that you sprayed at those concerts. Fago, yeah, there they it is. Fago, and none of that was like sponsored by anybody. They did an update. Front, Frontline did an update to that documentary series. I think twenty years later. Oh wow! And. Uh, and talked to teenagers about what was cool then. And in a single generation, it had gone from being the worst thing you could do to the coolest thing you could do was getting your fucking brand. Like having advertising on Instagram was the only way that you could prove that you existed. Otherwise, like what the fuck were you even doing if you couldn't land Hmm. a brand identity for, for your own personal life? And I think that's a real triumph of capitalism uh, so <laughs> there's to, not to shout out another podcast, but the Slate podcast Decoder Ring recently did an episode about selling out that's really, really good where they talk about they have like the writer of Reality Bites on and they talk about the whole concept of selling out in the 90s and musicians selling out versus now. And it's it's a very interesting thing. And that's super true. What, what you're wait, saying. Wait, wait, was that an ad wow. that you just did? It was. That you, I was. That was a hashtag hashtag ad. I did. I did. We're going deep on the sponsored content here. I'm just glad that the insane clown posse has stuck uh, stuck to their guns. I really support them. Whoop whoop. 
to all the drug lords <laughs> out there. Uh, the I, I I do want to talk about the the, the playing this with the dual sense because I do think this is a game where the dual sense really shines. Like in particular, like the weighted triggers when mm-hmm. you are um you know c- carrying cargo in in Sam's hands. Like I think that's re- that's really great. Obviously, like you know. Uh, a, a lot of the there's not there's a ton of gunplay in this game, but like there is a firing range uh, that is a that is that is new for the director's cut that you can mess around with armaments there. Um, but I think the you know, the gunplay feels a little bit better too, just just via the dual sense, the haptic feedback. Yeah, I think that's true. This it totally makes sense that this game would use the dual sense so well. Right. I think, mm-hmm. Heather, did you say that a lot of Kojima's games feel like love letters to Sony tech? I think you were talking oh, about yeah, yeah. and your love yeah, of the I mini did. disc player, which I was really <laughs> just really resonating with. Um, and and it's true. And they've always kind of got that carbon fiber clicky technology feeling to them. And this game does, too. And I mean, the dual sense is just just as a piece of a little piece of technology that I own is really cool in that way and totally yeah. feels like something that would actually be in this game. So it makes sense that they use it so well. And I love the little pulse on the triggers when you're carrying something real heavy or like when you're carrying a body a lot of times on those body delivery missions it just gives you this nice little weird round thing i'm not even totally sure how that works but it's lovely (laughs) i also i really i feel like very few games use the speaker that is in the controller i can't stand that i always stand (laughs) in this one when bb's crying it's coming out of your controller Mm -hmm. which you know feels like kojima's like well, there's a speaker in the fucking... Con- there's got to be something you can use this for. Oh, I know. You kind of hold it by your belly. So that's where Bibi would be. So mm-hmm. it'll make it feel like you're you're actually hearing the crying coming from your own stomach. <laughs> it's funny. Every, played- every gamer's dream. <laughs> that's really what everybody wants. My, one of my Triple Click co-hosts, Jason Schreier, couldn't get into this game because he had just had a baby at the time. And he's like, I can't do this. I can't play this yeah. game where there's constantly a baby crying. He's like, this is true enough of my actual life. I was playing, if you play with headphones, which this always happens to me when they use the Sony controller speakers. I just can't get into the controller speakers because I guess because I play most games with headphones. Yes. But you can't hear the baby crying. And my dog was sitting next to me while I was playing at one point, And she kept reacting to things that were happening in the game. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I later realized it's because my controller was like, <laughs> like every, you know, whatever, every time I fell down. And I just couldn't hear it because I was wearing headphones. Uh, Kirk, you mentioned earlier you were talking about the zip lines in this game, oh and I know God. this is the thing you talked about on Triple Click a bit. But the the I'll talk I more find... about the zip lines. We can talk this. <laughs> yeah, we can the... spend the rest of this episode talking about the zip lines. <laughs> I I do find that so satisfying, oh and God. I spent so much time in my original playthrough. And you know, when anytime I revisit the game, I check in on my zip lines, my high traffic zip lines, to see how many likes they have. Um, but the but like strategically positioning zip lines and figuring out, especially those mountainous regions uh, that you were talking about, how to 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 get around those quickly. I I find just I don't know. It, it just it's just one of those games where where it just kind of like clarifies my own tastes and and what I find satisfying, which is like traversing terrain and building infrastructure. And that <laughs> like it, it just kind of combines both of those things. Of like you know I don't necessarily need to kill a bunch of things, but man, if I can get someplace efficiently if i can figure out how to engineer that that gives me just like the 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 perfect sort of dopamine hit i need yeah this game is it's an interesting mix of infrastructure and like traversal which i do think mm-hmm. is a, the traversal is an important part of it i've been thinking about this a lot like why i find the zip lines so appealing because i do the minute i started being able to build them 
just the experience of immediately crossing terrain in the air, especially flying over like, you know, an area where the BBs are and hearing Sam kind of be like, yeah, like as he flies <laughs> here. It's just a great thing. By the way, did any of you notice? I just I noticed this when I was playing. You know, there's that period where BB, you don't have BB mm-hmm. because like creepy a uh, dead man is off doing whatever with him and you're alone and the, and when you're alone and Sam rides the zipline he doesn't he's just quiet cuz he's such a sad man oh. and then when you get BB back he like starts cheering again which i thought was kind of nice uh, um, i never noticed that detail yeah i i could be wrong but i just wow. I, he never did it the whole time i was like oh he kind of stopped he stopped cheering with joy but then yeah. it was just cuz his joy was gone cuz he didn't have Lou so um okay so infrastructure the a lot of games are infrastructure, right? Like if you play like a theme park designer game or Jurassic Park game or SimCity or whatever, like that's all infrastructure or Civ. It's just that's the whole game. And that's yeah. fun. But I I really compare this game to Subnautica, which I really discovered earlier this year. I got really into Subnautica and Below Zero. Subna- Have any of you played Subnautica? This game is amazing. I, I haven't played it. I've heard people rave about it. I bet I'd love it. I am a little scared of the ocean. Me too. Um, I but, have like yeah. a real almost phobia of specifically like things looming out of the deep dark. Speaking of, and speaking of like Rock Band VR being immersion therapy, this game was kind mm. of immersion therapy because it's not actually mm. like once you play it enough, you're like, okay, this is kind of a small team. There's not going to be some crazy monster that's going to hunt me down. This isn't alien isolation, but it is creepy. There's a lot of that. But once you get into it, it's a game about building infrastructure and about conquering a really hostile environment where initially you don't even have oxygen tanks. You can't breathe underwater, so you can only be down there really briefly. By the end of the game, you know, you have all these amazing vehicles you've built and all these bases and you've built this whole thing up and you can kind of get around and you've really mastered it. And I find that so engrossing and satisfying. And that game is just that. That game is like the part of Death Stranding that I really like without Mm. all the gonzo story stuff and the endless weird cutscenes and the sort of, and all of that stuff, which is, you know, kind of appealing in its own way, but a really different kind of an experience. So I think that it, it has to have both. Like you have to get over the mountains to then have it be, yes. or I have to get over the mountains to have it be satisfying to build the zip lines. And I have a feeling that if I keep playing this game or if it comes out on the PS6 in three years, I'll actually <laughs> not build the zip lines because I'll be like, no, man, what the real game is on foot. Like, you can't just build the zip lines and, and bypass everything. You got to walk. What did you feel about the the new? So there's the cargo catapult, Ugh. which fire. <laughs> I used that for the first time and just blasted. I made my cargo so much harder to get to because I didn't understand. I was like, oh, it'll head to this sort of like arrow, that general area. But a parachute, you have to control a parachute that opens Mm -hmm. on your cargo and then it falls just on a mountain somewhere. And I was like, this sucks. Yeah, This is so much worse than just taking it. You're sort of like, I would have been there already. Like Like I had to do all this, more menus. And then there's <laughs> and then there's also like a launch pad, which is a bit of a ramp that mm. you can either drive or run off of, and it'll send you into a slow motion trick mode. I felt <laughs> Apodaca, I felt like that would be your jam. That uh, why don't we wait for uh, later on in the show when we talk about the things that we liked? <laughs> oh, okay, great. <laughs> I didn't know you could run off of it. I only knew you could uh, you could shoot a vehicle off. Same, of it. I just now learned that. Yeah, wow. you can run and then you can do tricks with Sam without a car. Yeah, it, it fucking, I'll, I'll say it now, it rocks. It's its the best. <laughs> 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 Doing flips and little, uh, like, you know, on your little, like, I, I like to use the 
the tricycle as, as my like main uh, mode of tra- traversal for the most part. And if you get on that bad boy and you get on one of those raps, ramps, it's a different game, baby. You're 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 like you're playing like Dave Mira BMX or something. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, can you get on the little you know those floating cargo holders? Can you ride one of like a oh. shopping cart? Basically, I'm sure that you can. I'm, I'm I think sure. you, you must. Be, you should be able to. There's got to yeah. be. He's because you can ride that a little bit like down mm-hmm. the mountain and stuff too. So like, it, oh man. I'm going to build sure. a ramp down at, at, at the base of a mountain, ride the thing down a mountain, and then just see what happens. Wow. I feel like something good will probably happen. I'm going to, yeah, I'll love it. That makes me want to do that as well. <laughs> you'll, you'll immediately go to your own beach. Like <laughs> <laughs> you had Sam. too much fun out here. Don't you see this world? What are you doing? <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the, uh, here was a, this was a thing that I wasn't sure if this was post game content that I never got to, or if this was a new ad for the director's cut and, but the, all the companion cube Easter eggs, is that, was that, was that director's cut content? Did you guys get to that? Yeah, the valve stuff. I just kind of keep seeing that, but I'm not totally clear what the deal is. I think yeah. that was patched in. After the PC release. So oh, when it was like, on oh, Steam. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, probably the it. second. It was like a release later on Steam, and they yeah. probably made a big deal out of it being on Steam. Of course, that's totally what it must have been. So they there's put that also, stuff in. Yeah. There's also cyberpunk content that right. has aged <laughs> like a fine wine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Although the truth um, is, I gave cyberpunk a 10. Like, I was like, hey, it's V. Yeah. There's a reference to V. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. I, li- I like, nice. cy- I mean, we all like cyberpunk. It's a mess, but I had fun with it. I still haven't played um, it. I like, I'm waiting for them to do the, like oh, the, no. whatever the That's definitive never, edition. I played a little mm, bit of gonna it. It's going to happen. Yeah. No, no, no. It'll happen in like two no, or three yeah, years no. and then I'll it, it, maybe play in it. Recent memory. Pub- yeah. Publishers have done a good job with definitive editions recently. So yeah, we yeah. look forward to that. That mm-hmm. and Metroid Prime 4 is just around the corner where, you know, <laughs> <laughs> It's totally gonna happen. Uh, so the the companion cube stuff is which was which was new to me is um so the missions are like things like hey can you uh, like I have this um, this incredibly valuable cargo that I need uh and you know you'll get it from the uh uh, uh, uh you know from Jake Wind or whoever he's like like it's super mm-hmm. valuable please get it for me and then you'll go retrieve it and bring it back to the wind farm. And it's, but the, the object is like literally a companion cube. It's like this guy wants his companion cube and there's a series of these missions. So there's that, but then like in its, and I was like, oh, okay, this is a nice little Easter egg. But then you also get emails about this updating it. And it's things like, and the emails then add a layer of Sam, uh, thanks for bringing that back for me. I know you're a huge fan of Portal and Half-Life. <laughs> so just acknowledging these it's games that, exist. It's that like branding <laughs> thing yeah. again. Like yeah. where the, he, he always wants to embrace that sort of inserting brands because it adds some sort of legitimacy or something. That's pretty funny. Right. Do you all read the emails? I never read my emails. It's like oh, I try to actually be good about emails in real life, but I can't do it in this game. It's my favorite part of the game. Really? Like, oh, I should read them more. There's so... I think one of the things that we we were frustrated by in Police Knots was how the dense the information is and how every, sure. you know, you're like, you look at a fucking shrub on the street and your partner is like, well, that that shrub is bioengineered <laughs> to, to run on blood. And you're like, what? what the fuck are you talking about? All of that information is, I feel, relegated to the email system and the info dumps are all in your terminal in Death Stranding. Mm. So all mm. of his like 
bizarre ideas that he had that he didn't have anywhere to implement. Um, all of that stuff is just readable. And I feel like that's the best way to get at Kojima's like crazy, you know, sideways thinking ideas that he has no, like there's nowhere to put those things. And another thing that was interesting is that his his description of asexuality in Death Stranding Vanilla uh, was considered a little bit problematic by a lot of the community. And that email has an update inside the game hmm. where it's like this uh, email may, like the original email is there. And then at the bottom, it says something like um, the information in this uh, email is considered offensive and is no longer to be used by the bridges. Like it, like hmm. it, it both owns up to the fact that it was there and then also amends it to some degree. And I, I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah, that is, that's cool. Wow. Um, I'm trying to think what else is it, what other new content is in there? I mean, the, the support skeleton is just seems to just seem like all around better than, than all yeah. the other skeletons you had. The Mazer gun I thought was fun. It was fun to mess around with. Shock some yeah. people. I, yeah, like I don't that think weapon. I've used that. Are any of the weapons in this game actually good though? Like, <laughs> just, I mean, I guess the bola gun is kind of fun. Yeah, bola gun's fun. I think this is similarly fun to the 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 bola gun in that it's just sort of like this this limited range, non-lethal armament, you know, that that disables enemies in kind of a mm-hmm. fun way. I, I I thought it was okay. I like the strand. I like to strand people. Like I, I I like to. I mean, but also I like to sneak. And I know Heather doesn't like to sneak. No, so give me, you give me an opportunity to strand somebody, you're getting hog tied up. The way I played this game, which I used a lot of the shooting range because I was like, here we go. It's just fucking combat. Let's go. Let's go. Mm -hmm, Let's go. mm -hmm. Uh, The way I played this game initially, I believe I said this on the podcast, was to drive into people as fast as I could. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's a good good strategy. (laughs) Which worked for so long until I killed somebody doing it. And I was like, wait, you can... You can kill somebody with your bike? Yeah. That's bullshit. Because <laughs> like most of the time you get that really satisfying slowdown mm-hmm. of the sound and the visuals as you knock somebody out or or shoot them in the head. Yeah. Uh, and that would happen every time you would hit somebody. So if you could manage to line up the mules, like if you could get them to all chase you, then you could like combo through multiple mules. And it was just the best um, until I started having to deliver the bodies to the incinerators, and I was like, "That's a bummer." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, the the I, I was going to say that on the this the cell because I like hog tying the mules too. I think that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, on a farm or in re- or in this game, <laughs> I'm enjoying enjoy both versions. Uh, uh, the but the firing range has like some drills that you can do, and some of them are just stealthy. And I was like, I was having fun doing those. Uh, just mm-hmm. you know, like I'll 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 do a little uh, I'll do a little stealth mini game mission, and and I, you don't really get a lot from them. I guess yeah. is the thing. It would be nice if you got more likes from them. Uh, maybe as you as you progress, you eventually get get more to improve your ranking. But like I did find them just kind of fun to 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 blaze through. It's I think it's nice to be able to test things out without being in the field, or at least I've always mm-hmm. felt a lot of stress, especially in the early parts of the game. You know where you're carrying a bunch of of cargo and you really need to get somewhere and you haven't you know you're you haven't been able to save for a little while and you're in bt territory and there's this kind of feeling of okay so i'm gonna throw this grenade and then what's gonna happen you know there's a kind of (laughs) unknowability to the bts in a lot of ways at least early on until you really 
figure out that actually they're really easy to deal with and there's almost nothing to it. But when you don't know that, it's sort of stressful and it is nice having a firing range. Just be like, I can just go test out this new thing they just gave me. I can really see how it works and like what all the systems underlining and are or underpinning it are. And I don't have to find that out in the field when I like am in the, you know, I need something I don't have and it winds up being really stressful or wasting a bunch of time. I liked being able to fire the actual guns because like I, I use the blood bullets Sure. On all of the enemies uh, in the actual game and never, ever used the assault rifle or like I didn't I don't think I murdered anybody except with the motorcycle in the <laughs> entire time I was playing the game. Yeah. And it was nice on the the drills to be like, oh, I've never used this gun. Like also, right. was there the guided missile gun in the first game? I definitely because don't have that yet, but I that sounds know. awesome. <laughs> I think you get that. I, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's been a while, but I think you get that in the late game. I think you get that to, to take down some of the late game bosses. Mm. You definitely get that quad, that quad rocket launcher. Okay. Well, maybe that was it. Uh, because I didn't remember targeting multiple sections of like, or targeting multiple enemies with the missile launcher, a la Panzer Dragoon, and then <laughs> unleashing like, a missile that would shoot up into the sky and then split into multiple missiles was that was great. That was <laughs> there's, awesome. <laughs> there's so many ways to do everything in this game and so many right. solutions to any given problem mm-hmm. that I always find myself over preparing and then realizing I didn't need to because you know, even a traversal problem, you can use a rope or you can go around or you can kind of just jump half the time and yeah. you'll be fine. And it's kind of, I think it's appealing in a, in a way, but it also does leave a lot of things on the table. Like I find myself just, yeah, not using a lot actually of, of the stuff that I could be equipping and using. Why did I bring three ladders? I have so yeah, many climbing ropes that I bring with me and they're always yeah. just getting destroyed by the, by the time fall. Can we talk about right. time fall? Okay. I have a, there's a theory here that I talked through with a, a buddy of mine named Matthew Burns. He's a, a game designer and director, writer, a very smart guy. And I have to credit him because this was his thought. But basically that things like time fall in this game, there are all of these weird narrative things in this game, right? Time fall, the mules, mm-hmm. the entire narrative justification for them. The fact that they're like people who used to do deliveries and then were replaced and they went crazy. And so now they steal stuff. It's basically... There's a way to think of almost every narrative thing like that in this game as just a game mechanic that they wanted to put in the game that they then reverse engineered into something that exists Mm. in the narrative. Like, Mm. oh, well, we need there to be enemies who try to steal your stuff, so let's just come up with a reason why. Or, oh, we need your stuff to deteriorate when, you know, in a certain circumstance, so let's just make up the rain. Because the time fall is, it's one of the most amazing ideas when you first hear it and you see what happens, you know, when the rain falls or even just the the visual of the grass growing and then, you know, fully maturing and then dying and going in these cycles on the ground. But then it doesn't make any sense when you think about it for more than one second. And Sam's always just kind of wearing a hood and not really getting in on him. And like, is the river or the lakes all made of time fall water? I'm assuming these are all things that you already talked about on your show, but this is the first time I've really gotten to talk about this. So anyways, yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense that that a lot of this stuff feels half-baked because it may well have just been created to justify something in the actual game that you play? 
No, I I love that theory, and I think it's 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 eminently plausible. I mean, like I I love Timefall as a concept. It's I so think cool. it's just so cool. And, it and you could make a whole game that's just about Timefall, or like a whole narrative world yeah. that's just that one thing is the only thing that's different from the world, and it would be like it would just open the door to a million cool possibilities. Yeah, it could be a, a puzzle platformer where rain makes things, you know, age and decay. And that right, could like be the, maybe the, the, is the entire a grade organic. level now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> if, if the mules were reverse engineered from, uh, we need somebody to try and take your cargo. I think that the writer or writers who came up with the explanation for uh, the addictive properties of satisfying somebody else uh, thematically, it ties so well into the rest of the game for me mm. because your currency is likes. And so if you are and there's emails about the dopamine hits that you receive when you get likes online and that being linked structurally and narratively to these people who are addicted to dopamine hits and can't get it. And then you as a player also experiencing the same dopamine hits when you are delivering stuff and becoming like, yes. oh, I want to get better at this. I want to get more likes. I want to get that crunch at the end where you run through a million likes really quickly on your menu. I've, I felt like it was a really satisfying integration between narrative and gameplay. Um, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that whoever, if if the system came first, somebody walked in after a brainstorm and was like, guys, I've fucking got it. I know exactly what this is. And everybody probably like high-fived one another and then went out for beers. <laughs> no, yeah, I love that. That I feel like that is like a perfect example of of the other reason that Kojima games live as long as they do and people talk about them as long as they do. There's such a half-life on the narrative stuff in these games just because that is a great interpretation and it's the kind of interpretation that you would arrive at if you read all the emails, play the whole game, have really played it enough to have had the feeling yourself, you know, of, mm -hmm. of how kind of addictive it is to be making the deliveries and can kind of get that perspective on it, which is hard to get at first. I remember when this game came out, there was just, it just seemed so outlandish, the initial yes. explanation of the mules. It was like the funniest thing I'd ever heard. I was like joking about it with people being like, can you believe this shit? Look at this guy. And now, you know, when you put it that way, it's actually like, well, or it's this kind of goofy on its face, but actually very profound statement that gels perfectly with the game, which it is. And it does. I think if I can make a, 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 a forecast uh, to the future of the Death Stranding series, because there's rumor that he's making another one. Mm. It would be fucking awesome if after you beat the game, if you chose to continue to play, you became a mule in somebody else's Oh, occurrence. shit. That, like, that if you were good. like, I don't want to stop doing stranding stuff, but you no longer have access to packages, so you can go to the dark side and just fucking go after Sam's mm -hmm. would be kind of hypnotic and... Um, internally consistent with what's going on. Yeah, and, like oh at a Dark Souls thing. God, I would love it so much to be able to hunt a Sam. <laughs> that <would be> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. I, I do like I've been off social media for a few months now, but good when for you. I, when you I live in your best yeah. life, I'm right there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and you you gave a thumbs Boo. up as you said that. Oh, I did. That's and true. That, that wasn't a. That, I wasn't Boo. being Hartman. That was just me giving no. you a thumbs up. This is from before social media. This is just like <laughs> one guy giving a thumbs up to a camera. <laughs> I, I loved it, but I, but I will say, playing the you know uh, getting back into this game and getting back on the saddle, man, it is so satisfying to get likes. 
And that yeah. is just such a feeling of like, fuck, my my brain is just so like corrupted by just like yeah. that feeling of like someone likes something. And that is there's a numerical, uh, you know, uh, accounting of how many how many times someone has liked something that you have done. So how do you get likes on your stuff? Because I keep building these zip lines in really choice locations and they never really get likes. Yeah, I wonder if it has to do with like what, like when in the I, the player base just might be much much smaller now. You know, I guess it's um, only been a couple months. I mean, I I mean, I suppose not as many people are playing the PS5 version. Uh, or or, but I also have have no idea because I've had stuff that I thought was like, oh, this is like a this is like the perfect place for you know like a rope or whatever, and just it's never gotten a like beyond me. But then I've had some other like you know bridges or whatever they've built that have like gotten done pretty well. I guess this um, is yeah, kind I, of the social no media experience, right? Of the, exactly, of the yeah. algorithm <laughs> doesn't like your joke even though you think it was great and it gets two <laughs> likes. It's kind of the same. Same this thing. time fall shelter is perfectly positioned. <laughs> right. People don't understand. How do I get? That notification that sounds like like a little like a squishy like electronic note like how do I hear because that mm-hmm. sound is so unique <laughs> uh, and it's such it's it's des- it's designed for you to enjoy it uh, not unlike you know a red like number uh, hovering above an app that you have or something mm-hmm. it's like right. that same kind of satisfaction like oh I like that and squishy is the only way that I. I've been thinking about how to describe that sound for uh, a few minutes, and I think the squishy, UX design in this game is out of yeah. control. Like the sound and the menus. I mean, given how weird and naughty the menus are, yeah. Even and yes. even the fact that you have to hold X to advance out of a menu, which I think is just bad on its face. Like I just don't think it's supposed to work. <laughs> that like menus are just supposed to have consistent forward and backward buttons. But even that, like I even find yeah. that. Just to be appealing in some way, I think just because I've done it so many times and I've gotten the timing down, you know, when you're making a delivery and it's like you can't press X right away when you're delivering everything or it doesn't go through. You have to wait. But if you just tap it, it's like gives you some error message or something. Yeah, it's like, I don't uh, know, all of those weird little rhythms um, and then combined with the sound effects of just the, the interface are, are all really, yes. really appealing. I find it really appealing when one of your structures falls apart. Like when you get the notification that something is like, uh, you know, the the bridge in the vicinity of the cosplayer is near ruined. I'm like, good. You fuck Conan and his bridge. You don't don't want if you guys don't want it. You, I'll. It can just go away. Like if I feel there's a pettiness to letting my own structures fall Mm. apart, where I'm like, oh well, too bad. I put I built something nice and you don't want it. So fuck you. Yeah, nobody tried to help keep this up. Yeah. I I, I had a similar feeling with like, I had a zip line that I built. I think I talked about this on our our previous, uh, our Death Stranding 2, but like uh, episode... Um, I, but I had like a, a zip line that I built that got like a, like more likes than pretty much anything I'd ever built in the game. It was, I think it was honestly in, 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 uh, it, it was like 2000 or something. It was like a good number of likes, but then no one had ever upgraded it past level one. Hmm. And I was like, why are you, what, like you, everyone's making use of this thing. This is a high traffic zip line. Like clearly you're all getting a benefit out of it, but no one wants to donate some <laughs> ceramics to upgrade this thing so we can have some music play when you approach it. What are you doing? Freeloaders? Like the downside of the, of the connection metaphor is that you also feel very frustrated with people that you're connected with. Yeah. You're, right. you're like, you're standing on the top of a mountain, like Rorschach looking down on all of them and being like, fuck you. I don't <laughs> <laughs>
So I've been struck by how there are no believable human relationships in this entire game. Is that fair to say? I haven't finished it yet, but I just... Yeah. I, like, there isn't a single one. There are actually very few to begin with of even just sure. people who actually interact with another person. And the ones that I've come across that exist are just absolutely banana nut bars. Like, they just don't make sense. There's the the the... Storyline where you go and, like, get a wife for this guy and, like, bring this woman to him so they can get married. And yeah. she's in a body a, bag. In a body bag because she's scared or whatever. And she is a yeah. completely bizarre character. Then later yes. he, like, emails you being like, well, marriage, it's not all it's cracked up to be, man. This, <laughs> yeah. this sucks. And, like, that that's one relationship that you see. And it's just so bizarrely written. Sam's relationships with everybody are very strange. It's such a deeply lonely game. Yeah. And I think that's a really remarkable thing about it. I mean, you can read a lot into it about Kojima and where he was at probably when he was coming up with this concept and him leaving Konami and all of that. But like just the experience of playing it outside of him and outside of whoever wrote it, it's such a strange and depersonalized and kind of empty game in, in at least one way even though I think there's a lot of humanity and a lot of feeling in it at the same time. I I think that, in, um, and Matt and I were talking about this where I was like, there's so much pressure. There has to be so much pressure on Kojima to like fucking forecast something that's going to happen in the future hmm. because he, he bulls, he bulls, bulls eyed it. Bulls eye. Yes. I think that's the plural. Bulls eyes it. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so gratifyingly in Metal Gear Solid 2, when he was yeah. describing the information warfare technology of the future of the United States and everybody still cites it, that to be able to do that more than once in your career is pro- is so unlikely. And yet he brought out a game about people being reliant on deliveries in a world where nobody could actually talk to each other, where dialogue includes how frustrating it is to wear a mask all the time. Before the fucking pandemic happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then also presaged the way that that isolation would make people weird to one another. (laughs) Like, what a fucking home run. And I and I don't know. I don't know, because we read the the and we'll talk about it next week. I think Uh, Mm. we read this book, The Creative Gene. And and. Kojima's I'm book. still yeah, mm-hmm. Kojima's book. And I'm still I'm still looking for what his process is because did he go into this thinking what is the future of America going to be like? Is it going to be politically divided, uh isolated and uh reliant on like Amazon technology or was he just like, "Oh man, I got a cool idea for a fucking weirdo game." Like <laughs> there's no way of knowing which one happened, but when my friends and I who have gone from seeing each other once a week my friends, uh, <laughs> my my two or three friends that I have in the world for real. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I went from seeing those people multiple times a month to multiple times every six months to now like just is in free, like less than I see my any and like my, my ref, I, I can't even th- like I I don't. There yeah. are friends that I was so close with that I haven't seen now in two years. And that is when I see them, it's 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 so strange to talk to them. You feel so mm-hmm. disconnected uh, and divorced from this relationship that you've carried with you your whole adult life. Um, 
So yeah, I com- what I'm saying is I completely agree with what you're saying, but I think it's a feature, not a bug. Like, I think he <laughs> nailed it. Well, right. He, he, whether he was just making a game about being really lonely and then we entered this extremely lonely time and then a lot of his ob- observations about being lonely as who I, a guy I would have to assume on some level is a fairly lonely person or is, has a lot of experience with loneliness. Like it, the truth of it still rings out. I made the joke about thinking Die Hardman looked stupid when I first played the game. And then a year later playing it during COVID and being like, I, I would wear a mask like that. That's pretty <laughs> cool. um, though his mask, I guess, is it just opens to his mouth. So it wouldn't really protect you from COVID. But I'm sure you could, I'm sure they make on Etsy or something versions of that. There's also something really, I think, beautiful and like it's a kind of a fantasy in this game that you're an Amazon delivery guy and you're the greatest hero when the truth of the matter yes. is that, like, you know, everything in our society, like, dehumanizes and and devalues the people who do all of these essential tasks. Like, that was such a sad thing that was revealed by the pandemic, right, is that essential workers are actually people who were treated as largely expendable. We're in this world, in this game. It's like, you're the guy bringing me my medication or, like, bringing me my comic books or whatever dumb crap right. I need. Like, you're a hero. Like, I love you for that. And that is actually really, really amazing and remarkable that it was in a game, you know, from from before COVID. And you don't have to urinate into a Gatorade jug in your truck. You can urinate anywhere. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, we should get to our our final thoughts on... Death Stranding Director's Cut. It's time for our review crew. Review crew. <laughs> so we'll say one positive thing about this game. And I was thinking since we've done this, I mean, we know what our scores are going to be, uh, Matt and Heather. Mm-hmm. We, we, we talked about this game twice. So I was thinking instead of a instead of a score. Why don't we give this a Death Stranding style ranking, like a delivery? Oh ranking. yeah, okay. okay, great. Okay, great. All right. Um, and I will say, uh, it, my positive thing, um, man, I just, I get we we touched on the Mazer gun, but the Mazer gun is pretty satisfying to use. It is fun to shock the shit out of guys, and you know, it it, it integrates well. It's like like uh, with the with the new mission, um the new quest line in this game through the ruined factory, which is, you know, a little bit more, it's a little bit different, honestly, than the rest of how the game plays. It's a little bit more limited and contained, Um, but it is, uh, it's it's a cool gun and it's a cool new feature. And hey, you know what? Playing this game again for the first time in however long it's been, why don't we do that last episode? So in March of 2020, when was that? No, Death Stranding Part 2 was, uh, was last Kojember, you fool. Oh, how did I forget? <laughs> since in the year it's been <laughs> yeah. since last Cojember. Yeah. <laughs> it only comes but once a year. <laughs> Feels like it's earlier and earlier. <laughs> um since we played so rebooting it a year ago, I was just like I was like, oh man, this is so satisfying. And I think I'm gonna I might platinum this game. I don't wow. do that often. But I was like, I just like moving around, and it, and it's it's still very satisfying. Uh, I'll give this a, a an an S, awesome. Uh, Heather, what do you think? Well, before you platinum this game, set your difficulty to hard because the uh, platinuming is reliant on the difficulty that you're playing. Mm-hmm. And I it, did see the, that. Yeah. The the barrier for me to platinuming 
Death Stranding was that I had already done so much of the stuff that was required of me in the wrong difficulty setting. Mm-hmm. So I kind of gave up on mm. platinuming it because I was like, fucking, I don't want to. Also, you who knows which of the guns I haven't made to get that trophy. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, But. What so I really I, going on just the director's cut, I really. I really liked the new quest. Mm-hmm. It was really nice to and it it also I don't feel like that idea was touched on in the rest of, and I don't want to spoil it for people who are who are going to pick up Death Stranding Director's Cut just for that quest and <laughs> ramps. Uh, <laughs> or the racetrack, which we haven't talked about. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, I really liked the quest and I really liked what it what it talked about in in like one of the things that you you think about when you're playing the game is the sort of horror of what is actually being told to you and how no everybody is desensitized to that horror and this was a backstory about people who were not and i think that that was a compelling area to expand on i don't know i, I think kojima tweeted that nothing was cut when he released death stranding so this must have been an afterthought or an additional idea but i really liked it um, I'm also going to give it an S. Awesome. Like. Oh, we Yeah, we, we didn't talk about how Kojima doesn't like that it's called Director's Cut. That <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Because <tweeted> it, <laughs> it implies that the first version was incomplete, right? Which he doesn't yes, actually yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. I have the tweet here. In the game, it is not what was cut, but what was additionally produced that was included. Director's Plus. So in my opinion, I don't like to call it Director's Cut. Just perfect um, that he would come up with a different name. for <laughs> Yes. <you know. laughs> For something that we like conceptually understand yep. anyway, we're like yep. we do Directors get this. We plus. get this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll say that for me, yeah. I mean, I I'll, one of the benefits of uh, like being done with the game, importing your save, uh, and then upgrading to the director's cut, all the added stuff instead of it being sprinkled in to the story, like where it would fit in the story, it's all kind of just there, and you can kind of just go do it whenever you want. Uh, so the 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 new quest that Heather was talking about, uh, the new story quest, you're able to finish that like really fast. So I like went through that stuff, like got through that like really interesting like part of the story. Um, but and Heather, I know you didn't touch on this probably uh, because I don't I don't know what you what you thought about it, but you got to do a little sneaking. And it's true. There's like you know, there's you're in this warehouse and there's mules and you gotta take them out and you don't have to sneak. You can just yeah, I gun definitely down. did not no. sneak. <laughs> but the, when uh, when you're being when I'm told, hey, use discretion when you get in this warehouse. I'm like, got it, no problem. I'm sneaking. Uh, and then once they uh, they once the mules see me, I I panic and, and just start uh, just mowing them down. Uh, I, yeah, doing tricks on the ramps is like something that the game absolutely didn't need to be good. <laughs> uh, but it, it's, it's, I'm glad it's there. Um, and then the buddy bot, we didn't talk about the buddy bot. Oh, There's yeah. this new oh, robot yeah. that you do a quest for and he like helps you out and stuff. And he's pretty funny uh, or, you know, pretty fun. Uh, and you know, what else is there to say about it? It's, it's death stranding. Uh, the people that like it, like, like love it. They think it's fantastic. And the people, <laughs> Um, that hate it just uh, never gave it a chance, I think, or not o- haven't opened their heart to the idea of liking it. And that's, you know, that's on you, friend. Uh, this is an S. Awesome. Wow. 
Nice. All right, Kirk. Yeah, your your positive thing and uh, and a ranking if you like. All right. Well, I I don't have to just go with director's cut because I'm playing this game, or I'm definitely in uncharted territory now. So I'm just going to say something that I like about it, and that's that it's it's really a power fantasy for backpackers. This game. <laughs> Because I do a lot of backpacking. I live in, in Oregon and we go up to, you know, to Mount Hood and go go backpacking every summer when it's not on fire. And um, it's uh, a whole thing. I mean, when, if anyone who's ever gone backpacking, you go out, you put a lot of a lot of weight in your backpack. You've got like whatever, 60 pounds in your backpack or something and you're carrying it and it is like really heavy and your whole life narrows down to the path in front of you and every little thing you know becomes this major obstacle okay there's a tree across the trail and you're going to spend a while kind of getting over it because it's so easy to lose control and at first the game felt to me like a really accurate simulation of that and I thought that was pretty cool oh I'm like I have to go down this hill so I've got to go really careful because I have all this weight on my back and it really felt accurate but the more I play and now I have robot legs and there's like ramps I can apparently do jumping stunts off of and <laughs> it's like it's become the opposite it's just like a power fantasy for like what if i could carry so much weight that my backpack was like 15 feet up above my head and i was just running down snowy mountains without missing a beat and i love that about it it feels uh just so uh funny and empowering in a way that that i really enjoy while also of course liking so many other things about the game so yeah it's an s awesome for me for sure it's a great game Wow. Like. like. <laughs> uh, those were our thoughts, but maybe we're wrong. Maybe we were wrong. We've got reviews that we've called from all over the internet, and if we had a positive take on this game, these will be negative reviews. And if we had a negative take, these will be positive reviews. It's the segment that changes every week. Maybe we were wrong. And you know what? I've read some reviews about Death Stranding uh, prior to this in multiple other segments of Maybe We Were Wrong. <laughs> so this time I just pulled some tweets from Twitter uh, and I'm just going to run through those in rapid succession as uh, evidence that maybe I didn't understand what I was talking about when I gave this game an S awesome like. <laughs> uh, Cowbox writes, when Death Stranding is good, colon, you are walking from point A to point B and a song starts playing. When Death Stranding is not good, colon, pretty much any other time. <laughs> uh, up next, I've got uh, The Bacon Life. One, uh, Death Stranding is not good. I can understand why Konami wanted to control what he did. When he gets freedom, he makes crap. Wow. <laughs> Man, okay. harsh. Uh, up next, I have... Um, uh, El Tortuga Games writes, why do you care if I think the gameplay of Death Stranding is not good? I am far from being the only person who feels that way. The game aggressively goes out of its way to waste your time. It is 100% fair for me to express my opinion on a discussion about game of the year. And then finally from Chase Face Was that Show, person just tweeting to the world? Like, <laughs> how dare you say and silence me and my opinions? <laughs> I have, two, I have two more. One is Sorry. from Chase Face. Chase Face Show. Hello, new followers. I mostly just post about games I dislike and argue openly with anyone who thinks differently than I do. Death Stranding sucks cocks, for example. <laughs> Jesus. And wow. then finally, <laughs> this is my favorite, from Stupid Mario Brothers at Squoops. Uh, Death Stranding sucks. 
I hate you, Die Hardman. <laughs> oh. Wow. He does talk a lot in fairness. He, 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 yeah. he, does, he does talk a lot, that Die Hardman. Uh, they should make Kojima read those on Kimmel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have one from Metacritic. This is about the director's cut. And this is the review. This is a zero um, from EDE11. Wow. Nothing. No monster energy in the director's version. Kojima betrayed us all. (laughs) Sam can only drink monster energy. That's the basis of the game. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a troll, but I liked it. That's good. There are. I have one here from uh, uh, from Metacritic as well. Uh, And it's it's also a zero. Uh, And it just says, new version is still a boring walking simulator with near zero interesting gameplay. Avoid. And I I just don't understand. Like, it's not a... The word, the term, the term walking simulator for this game sort of bumps up against me. Because, yeah, your mode of traversal is walking most of the time. But to me, a walking simulator would be like, okay, use one trigger to move your leg forward. The other one, it's not like you're simulating walking. Uh, there's well, more a, to do. It's a derisive term for use for yeah. like, you know, like first person adventures without combat. And they're kind of just sort of saying or or for any yeah. sort of like, you know, just sort of like like story based. No, you know, no real gameplay, no real conflict sort of experiences. And they're just sort of saying the same for this. There are giant <laughs> monsters in it. There's like, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. not gigantic like, I, monsters. I feel like a lot of, I don't know this person, but I think a lot of critiques of the game that are like that are from people who haven't played it. Because yeah. if you're calling it a walking simulator in the like rhetorical sense, like you're, you know, you're talking about whatever, uh, Gone Home or a game like that. This mm-hmm. is nothing like that. Like, and it is no. actually a walking simulator in the true sense of those words. It is a very deep and complex simulator for like very complicated walking. But if you're using it in that way, why would you be saying that there's nothing interesting in the game? Because there is from like the first minute that you play it. So yeah, it's hard to take that kind yeah, of review seriously, personally speaking. <laughs> Some of it is maybe incomprehensible, but it's not uninteresting. Like, no. it's like <laughs> sure. I, I really think it's just as simple as these are. A, a lot of people played the you know, like love the Metal Gear Solid franchise and were expecting the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's not that it's not as combat heavy. There is stealth, but it's not as robust. And there's not you know you're, there's not this huge uh, 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 body count. So I think and I think some people played the franch played the, the franchise just for that. That's true. And it's I mean yeah. it's certainly fair for someone not to like this game too. Like I don't mean to suggest that disliking like I could completely see this not being someone's cup of tea. I- I'll suggest. Yeah. That you're wrong uh, for disliking it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, hey, it's time for the question block. Ba-ding! All right, this is from Ian Riley from our email, and the subject line is "Death Stranding question." What would be your low roar and Conan? So that's basically the basis of the question. But they write. Uh, if you were the director of Death Stranding, what media would you include that you wanted to strand with the player? Who would you want to act in the game? Would you still use music for the cinematic moments or would you replace it with some other type of media? Thanks for the question, Ian. Wow. Mm. Interesting question. Excellent so, question. So, so I guess I guess it's kind of like someone you're a fan of, mm-hmm. right? Like that that is kind of in both in both cases. It's it's like, you know, um, Hey, I like Guillermo del Toro. I collaborate with him and I'll just put him in the game. Uh, boy, that's a good question. I, I kind of want to, I would say I'd, I'd like to model a character off of John Carpenter. Wow. Um, mm. But then have someone else uh, voice him. 
Because um, <laughs> it seems to be the convention of this game. That's the way to do uh, it, yeah. Yeah, uh, but then, uh, and, and then as for music, boy, what uh, what should we play in? I don't know. You know what I'd like to hear is just a little bit of, we were talking saxophone earlier. How about some Sonny Rollins? How about some John Coltrane? Wow. How about some just, just smooth tenor sax sort of playing? I, think I feel like that would be fun. Some Miles Davis would be really nice, like psychedelic. Oh, there you go. Late 60s yeah. miles on some of those long walks would be a... Uh, would be just the thing. I uh, I feel like one of my favorite bands, Kings of Convenience, have a very low roar sound aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of very stripped down acoustic guitars and harmonies. And I think that they would be an excellent complement to a long delivery. Um, I think that my uh, my personal director shout out body scan would be Hideaki Anno, the director of Evangelion and Shin Godzilla, as well as Kari Kano, uh, having him in the game and then voiced by David Hayter. Why not? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So those would be my, I think my additions to the game, but Sam would drink, uh, Sam's beverage instead of monster energy drink would just be milkshakes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear Norman Reedus be like, oh, I love milkshake. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I mean, I would absolutely make this game uh, worse. It, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be better if I was doing it. Cause like the music would be like Weezer. Um, and like the people in it would be like Johnny Knoxville. Um, like <laughs> That'd be fucking awesome. Like Johnny Knoxville would, be, would cool. be in it. John Wick would be in it. Not Keanu Reeves, John Wick. <laughs> and his name would be John Wick. Uh, and like, it would just be the, it'd be the worst. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, who would be Mark Maron would probably be like, be, <laughs> like all sorts of people. Uh, Kermit. Mm. <laughs> You're delivering to Maron's garage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kirk, you mentioned Miles Davis. Any, any other elements you'd want to, you'd want to throw in this? I always think of the band Darling Side. Have you ever heard Darling Side? They're this, they're no. a current uh, sort of acoustic group. Really beautiful stuff. And they sound, Low Roar sounds a little bit like them. So them or maybe the Waylon Jennies, one of those great vocal harmony groups, I think would sound really good on those those long walks. I love it. Um, hey, hit us up with your thoughts and your questions on Twitter and Instagram at GetPlayedPod or send us an email at GetPlayedPod at gmail.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 6162Played. 616-275-2933. Our music and engineering are by Devin Bryant. You can follow him on Twitter at BaffleGabs and our guest, the great Kirk Hamilton. Kirk, thank you so much for being here. What a what a wonderful yeah, discussion. Thanks, Kirk. Hey, of thank course. you, Kirk. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, check out check out Triple Click. It's uh, it's a lot like how did this get played, uh, except the three hosts uh like are smart and, <laughs> and yeah, have, have good insights. It's different in that um, it's a good show, but uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Uh, but uh, check out Triple Click and uh, yeah, tell us about tell us about the pod and and, and your other podcast and anything else. Yeah, those are my main two projects: is uh, Triple Click, which is great fun. I make that with Maddie Myers from Polygon and Jason Schreier from Bloomberg News. And we all used to work together at Kotaku back in, three years ago now, I guess, when I was in games media. So that's kind of fun. It's a fun way for me to still talk about video games. It's the um, the right amount of video games for my life. And then really, right. my main thing is Strong Songs, which is a music podcast that I make where I just wrapped up year three of that show. Every episode is a sort of dissection 
of a famous song. This year I did what Imogen Heap and uh, Muse Tune, and we did uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire September on September 21st. So it's kind of like I take the whole thing apart, rebuild it for you piece by piece. I learn all the parts. I explain the whole thing. It has music theory and, and some of that stuff, but it's not like for music experts, it's kind of for anybody, lapsed musicians, whoever. I'm kind of trying to make it accessible as well as including complicated stuff. So the idea is just you'll hear your favorite songs in a, in a new way. You'll hear new things in them. So that's strong songs. It's kind of my main thing. And yeah, if people think that sounds good, they should check it out. Check that out. Yeah. Uh, Devin just flipped his lid hearing, it, hearing you describe <laughs> Devin, it. I think you'd like the show, man. You should listen. <laughs> uh, and uh, Matt, tell us what we're going to be doing next week. As we close out Cojember. Next week, we're spending 70 minutes in outer heaven. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Bucket. <laughs> Snake! <laughs>